All right. Here we are, Cowboy Connection Podcast. It has been a month since we've done a podcast. So <laughs> four four weeks. So <laughs> I've been, I mean, we visited, but I've been missing hanging out. Kevin Cooley <laughs> here with uh, Tad Torgerson. Bill's on vacation and JR's probably out riding a horse. So, you know, <laughs> uh, you never know. You never know about old JR. So here we are. Tad, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm well. Episode 61. Wow. Episode 61. I have had a a full day today. Went to church, then went and did some Dutch oven cooking. Oh. Pizzas and cinnamon rolls in the Dutch oven and a couple in some Dutch ovens with a friend of mine, then harnessed up a couple of draft horses and and uh Rode around for a while, driving a team and and uh, hanging out. Then came home, did some premarital counseling with a couple at six o'clock, and now here we are. <laughs> you and me. It has been a rich, full day today. Yeah. So Who's I that? got a wedding. I got the my last wedding of the year, as far as I know. Next Saturday, I have. Oh yeah. I have done so many weddings in the last six months. I've lost track. So, and they've all been, they've all been great. They've all been, uh, been, uh, just great weddings and, and, uh, nobody's complained every time I sit down with a couple and say, okay, I, my ceremony usually lasts about 15 minutes. Is that good? And I haven't yet to have anyone in, in all these years go, Hey, can you make it longer? Right. Nobody. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody has complained about how long my wedding is. And the benefit is I usually get to eat pretty good afterwards. That's the best so, part. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You bet. So well, you're making me plus I keep I keep telling Bill that I want to come come up and spend a day with him so I can drive his team because I haven't driven a team since I was in high school. Yeah. And uh I don't know. I would uh that's that's fun stuff there. I'd like to do that again. Well, I've driven Bill's team once, and that was a lot of fun. Today, I drove my friend Mark's team, and and uh, look, I'm no teamster here. I I have I have little expertise in in uh, in driving a team, uh, but as long as there's somebody that is next to me, I am confident as can be. I am yeah. confident that I can hand the reins off to them and let them fix what I screwed up. So we uh. When I was a kid, we we used uh, we we didn't have a draft team. We had a light team, but we used them a lot. And at the time, I had no interest in it, and it was just work. Yeah. And now I wish I had paid attention because I wouldn't even be able to harness a team. But I think if I had somebody show me, be with me the first time, I think I would remember. But yeah, um, I'm confident. But yeah, that's that that's fun stuff. I wish I, I'll well, get you- the chance here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so this this friend of mine was uh, working with another buddy of his, and they did a big Dutch oven chuck wagon meal up here at the Pitchfork, up up above us here, a couple weeks back. And he called me. He said, "We're feeding a big crowd of people, but we're we're cooking all day. Come up and take a look at this chuck wagon." Well, I couldn't get away, and I said, "I oh. I've got some. I've got a nice little set of Dutch ovens. I I've really been wanting to start." doing more Dutch oven cooking. 
And he mm-hmm. goes, well, come on, let's, when do you want to do it? We'll c- come to the house and we'll just cook up some stuff. So I took a couple of my Dutch ovens. He had a couple and we made pizzas and cinnamon rolls and sat outside oh, yeah. and I got a good tutorial. And, and then, uh, another guy that I follow on Instagram, Charlie Ferguson, he's kind of a famous chuck wagon cook. He posted a picture, had about, about eight Dutch ovens full of rolls and biscuits sitting out there. He, I sent it to Mark. I said, Oh, Charlie showed us up today. He goes, yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> we can do that. We can do that too. I said, okay, yeah. you say so, but yeah, it's a good day. Yeah. Good day. So that's good. Yeah. So everything good in Miles city. It's uh, starting to feel like fall here in, in Matizzi. So yeah, the leaves are falling. Um, we had, I just looked at the forecast. I think we had our last 80 degree day yesterday. Yeah. Um, well, they pop up yet, but no, it was kind of cold and kind of spitting rain a little bit today. And yeah, it's uh fall is in the air. That's for sure. Yeah. I saw, a, I saw a picture. Uh, maybe, maybe Libby posted a picture of her on a horseback. Look like it might've been cloudy and rainy there. We had, we had it spitting this morning, but it, it got nice, cleared up and got nice this afternoon. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think we've got some rain ahead of us. So, yeah, well, that's so, good. Yeah. But I'm going to be on a cruise ship here in a couple of weeks in the Caribbean. And I'm going to tell you what, <laughs> I am looking forward to it. Me and some high school buddies and our wives are all going to be floating around the Caribbean. So, yeah, I'll look funny in good. my boots and my cowboy hat, but I'll sure be relaxed. Are you wearing shorts? I I have a pair of swim trunks, but that's about it, buddy. Oh, okay. So yeah, Yeah. I'll take my straw hat though. I I don't. I'm not going to take my felt down there. I'll take my straw hat. (laughs) Yeah. So. (laughs) Oh goodness, we're in John. Uh, John twelve twelve. By the way, this episode sixty one, and we've been in John for a mighty long time, and and we're loving it. Uh, so, uh, we are at the point, uh, last time we talked about <clears throat> Mary anointing Jesus, uh, at Bethany talked about the plot to kill Lazarus. And, uh, and we're, we're, we're about ready to start talking about the triumphal entry. So even though John goes into great detail, we have quite a few chapters, you know, we go all the way to chapter 21 uh, so almost almost half, at least more than a third of, of John talks about those final that final week, that final part uh, piece of of Jesus's life. And uh, man, there's a lot of good stuff to to look at. So I'm gonna go ahead and read and uh, and and see where we can go with this. The next day, a large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus, was coming to Jerusalem, so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him 
when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. Uh, the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that, that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Uh, 20. Uh, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was uh, from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Uh, and I'm going to stop right there, and if we get to it, we can pick up in 27. And one of the things that's uh, that's most interesting to me is is uh, where Jesus was at um, is 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 now famous for their Arabian horses, and Jesus chose cho chose a donkey. <laughs> so we, no, that was a joke. Yeah. I just saw that on Facebook the other day. So, jeez. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, so this whole triumphal entry is... I was wondering what Arabian horses you were talking about. <laughs> you took me too literally. You took me right into that story. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, really? <laughs> oh, goodness. So this is the fulfillment, another fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. So... <laughs> I thought it was a funny joke when I saw it the other day. I couldn't I couldn't tell if it was inappropriate or not, but I thought it was funny. So <laughs> well, I just so on Thursday, no, Tuesday, I had a meeting with some clients of mine and they raise Arabian horses. And I had about a two-hour conversation with them about these Arabian horses that they that yeah. they show and stuff like that. And I, I just got sucked right into it. I thought, oh, man, he must know something about this that I just learned. <laughs> oh, oh, my word. Yep, there you go. There you uh, go. All I know about Arabian horses, I almost went to work for a guy riding Arabian horses 30 years ago, and I didn't. So, <laughs> All right. Um, so, again, this is a fulfillment Um of an Old Testament prophecy right here. We know that, that Jesus is, you know, the Old Testament points to Jesus. Uh, and and uh, and just shows it's Zechariah 9.9. I had to look, look at it. For some reason, it wasn't coming to my mind. Zechariah 9.9. And so he is, the, the, the word had got out, right? That Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And the people that were there that had witnessed it, well, they, uh, they're still testifying. They're still celebrating. Look, this man raised this guy for the dead. Remember, this is a common theme throughout John so far. People are drawn to Jesus because of the miracles he's doing. And more mm -hmm. than once, he said something so radical, he drove them away, right? So we know that these people knew Jesus, but they didn't profess him as Lord, right? 
And so here's another example of people being being drawn to Jesus because of because of the miracle he performed. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are um they're going to profess him as Lord over their lives. And and you know even the the disciples didn't remember about this passage in Zechariah until after after it was all over, right? So in the moment, there was a lot of emotion, a lot of excitement, and they still thought Jesus was coming to take over the country and bring it back to its once former status. They, they mm -hmm. weren't thinking spiritually at all. They were thinking physically. They were thinking, he's getting ready to take the throne. And, and so uh, a lot of these people were just just uh, uh, excited. And and then when the Pharisees said, um, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Remember what Gamaliel said to them prior to the Pharisees prior to this. Look, if this isn't from God, it's going to die. Just like every other, every other thing has, has died. This one's going to die too. And the Pharisees are starting to panic a little bit. They're starting to go, <laughs> oh, this guy's gaining a following. They were getting ready to get nervous. Because they know, they knew that they were getting ready. If if Jesus was going to take over, they were getting ready to lose a lot of money, a lot of power, a lot of authority. Their position, their standing in in the in the world was was being threatened in their mind. And so, um, we see that that uh, they came to work. You know, the 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 whole known world was coming to Jerusalem to, to celebrate the Passover. And, uh, uh, they came, Hey, we, we want, we want to go see Jesus and we want to meet Jesus. And I think it's funny, Andrew and Philip come to Jesus and say, uh, uh, Hey, these people want to come meet you. And Jesus kind of unloads on them, kind of yeah. starts preaching to them, you know, and uh, and so, what do you what do you got stirring in your mind so far as we as we kind of kind of look through this? Well, it's I guess what kind of what kind of strikes me in with all of this and is um, going back to your joke, but um, so this is the King of the Universe, right? King of Kings, Lord of Lords, right? And Get into the next chapters in chapter 13 um, is when the the Last Supper happens and Jesus washes his disciples feet. And he says that and he says there that, you know, I'm showing you this as an example of of how to be humble. And um, and. <clears throat> And so he does come riding in on a donkey, on a on a donkey's colt. And, you know, and we were talking a little bit before the podcast of, about some other, some verses I had some questions about. But we were talking about Jesus is, is, is shown in scripture as a lion and as a lamb. And he's showing us his humbleness right here. Because this is the creator of the universe, and you would expect somebody of great status and of great power to come riding in, you know, uh, uh, on a uh, on a on a big big horse, right? Um, 
you know, and, and, and living in the moment of, of being exalted by the crowds and all of that. But he decides to come in on a colt, on yeah. a donkey's colt. That's lowly. And then he goes on to say when, when um, Philip and Andrew come and tell him about the Greeks that want to talk to him, he says, the hour has come the Son of Man should be glorified. Um, most surely I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much gain. And what it's talking about there is that, and you had mentioned, Kevin, that that they were following him because of the miracles, but they hadn't professed him as Lord. And you kind of go back and look at that. What does that mean? You know, what does it mean to prof to profess him as Lord? It means that I take my rights and my uh, the way that I want to do things, and I submit that to somebody under their authority. Mm -hmm. And so, and and it says here, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Um. And it says here, he who loves his life, I'm going back up to verse 25, he who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so it's talking about the lordship of Jesus, that we that we need to submit to him, to his authority. You know, we, we've talked about this throughout the 61 episodes that we've done about take up your cross and follow him daily. And so, but he didn't come in and say that and, and and say, hey, you know, he didn't come in with an army armed and to take over because he is showing us that he is submitted to his father mm -hmm. to do job that he has been sent to do. And so, um, and, and he chose to do that. Because once again, I mean, he took the form of man. He humbled himself and came to earth. He came from the glories of heaven. And to do that, he had to submit himself to his father and to the father's will. And, and when you get to chapter 13 and when and the, the washing of the servant's feet, he says, he says, I'm setting an example for you. And that's what he wants us to do is to submit and to declare him Lord over us. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's a resounding um, message from Paul. Even Paul calls his own life a pile of dung. He right. says he said, you know, Paul even I mean, it, it is it is a regular message in Paul's writing of dying to self. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if you go through your day, remember, the source of all sin, right, is selfishness. Right. That that ultimate desire to be to be a Lord over my own life. Right. That is that is the root of all sin. That that evil is Satan says to Adam and Eve, surely you won't die you will just become like him, right. right? That was the temptation. You will be all knowing, right? It's all about me, my selfishness. 
And so when we begin to when we begin to evaluate our day, all right, let's reflect on our day as we're as we're ending our day, right? We're we're going to be going to bed here in a little while. Let's reflect on our day and evaluate how much of my day I made about myself, my own yeah. pleasure, my own set. Now look, let's don't be ridiculous. I drive 40 miles to church. I'm not going to walk or ride a horse. I'm going to get in a truck, right? It, it's, call it selfish. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. I, I'm not talking about, yes, I can go lay down and sleep in my front yard tonight without a blanket and without a pillow. Let's don't be ridiculous. Let's look at the reality. How many decisions did I make today, even specifically, to make my life more convenient or to keep from inconveniencing myself, like sharing the gospel with somebody, being sacrificial and allowing, giving somebody else benefit over me by, by praying for somebody, by helping somebody, by whatever, whatever, whatever you want to look. Let's evaluate how much of our day is spent being selfish, right? In all reality. Right. And, and and how many of that, how many of those decisions, if we would have made the other decision, would have been more beneficial for the kingdom of God? Right. Right. Sharing the gospel with someone, praying for someone, loving someone in a way they need to be loved, asking forgiveness, offering forgiveness, um, believing the best in somebody, thinking the best about somebody, um, giving somebody the benefit of the doubt, being speaking kind to my wife when maybe I didn't, what, what whatever that looks like, right? And it is, look, whoever loves his life loses it. That's the selfishness. But whoever hates his life, we're thinking reasonably like Jesus in this world will keep it for eternal eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. If you're going to follow Jesus, you better be ready to be sacrificial. Yeah. If you'll remember when we uh when we studied what were we studying? Ephesians 5, I think. Right? Ephesians 5 says therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we talked about that on here, when we were studying Ephesians, remember, we we made the declaration that being a follower of Jesus is sacrificial, right? We're to be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So in order to follow Jesus, it's sacrificial. Yes. It costs something. Now, there's only two things necessary. There's only two necessary requirements in response to the gospel, right? The two things that are required of us in response to the gospel message are repentance and faith. That's it. Repentance and faith are the two things required. And, and that takes place before we profess Jesus as Lord, right? 
Yes. We have to repent and have faith that Jesus died for our sins. Then we profess him as Lord. Those are the only two requirements. But the gospel produces obedience in us. Why? Because that's what Jesus asks of us. It produces, yeah. and, and I would go so far as to say it produces, it should produce joyful obedience. Right? Because yeah. James says, consider it all joy when trial comes upon you. Well, that's the only time we're miserable is when trial comes on us. When life's easy, <laughs> we're pretty happy. Right? So the obedience in the midst of trial, I see evidence that we should be joyful. It should be joyful obedience that 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 directs that, right? And so Jesus says, hey, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the father, father will honor him. So there, there's a bit of a promise, right? If you serve me, the father's going to honor you. Right. That implies that if you don't serve him, the father's not going to honor you, right? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. He doesn't say you have to, you better. You're, if you don't, you're not going to get saved. No, that's the response to the gospel is obedience. If you love me, you'll obey me. That's the evidence. If you don't obey me, yeah. well, you probably don't love me. Right? So, well, we were talking a little bit before we got on the podcast that I'm getting ready to to launch our men's group that we do at our church here in the next couple of weeks. And the thing that that's been going through my mind in the last couple of months is, is kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, Kevin, how much do we do? How much do we do in our lives to seek comfort? And what I mean by that is, is, is like what you were talking about in James. How many, how many decisions do we make in the middle of the day during just in the normal course of our life? Because it's going to be convenient for us. Right. Because it's going to give us, um, I don't mean comfort like, uh, you know, like when you're going through a hard time and somebody comforts you. I don't mean that. I mean comfort like luxury or like the absence, comfort like the absence of adversity. Yeah. You know, how, how many times do we make a de decision because we don't want it to cause us adversity? We right. want to be we want to be safe. We want to be comfortable. We don't want to, you know, the old saying, you know, I, I don't like being outside my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not what Jesus has called us to. Well, it's not and what I, that's not how he lived. No, it's not how he lived. And, and I think that there's something inside of us as created beings that, that thrives under, um, under adversity that it's just, it's, it's like working out. Right. And so if you're lifting weights, what does that do? Is it, you know, is it when you're lifting weights, you're, you're tearing down muscle fiber. Right. And when it, when you recover, it makes you stronger. That's what James is saying is, is, you know what? And, and Jesus talked about this and he said in this world, um, uh, the, the scripture just left my mind. Um, 
um, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And so I think that we are, that we are made to overcome adversity. And the, and the way that we do that is by submitting, is submitting ourselves under his lordship. And we're made for conflict because, um, you know, it's just, you know, did your dad ever say this? If it was easy, anyone would do it. I know. I mean, right on. or yeah. any, or, or anything worth doing is going to be hard. Right. And, and I think we spend so much time um, trying to just seek that level of, of this state of no adversity that we're missing the point. Right. And. Um, um, well, how many people I wonder live their life with regret because they're too afraid to, to, to step out and make a bold, a bold movement, start a business, take an adventure, be adventurous, you know, be willing to start a business and fail for the sake of starting a business and be and stepping out on their own. Yeah. You know, it, it, how many people are, are stifled because of, of fear, yeah. uncontrollable fear because of something that took place in their life, how they were raised, whatever it was. And, and it, it has kept them from, from being bold. Mm -hmm. They just have this wish in their head that they live with. I, one of these days I'm going to do this. One of these days I'm going to do this. And they never do it because they right. allow fear to hold them, hold them hostage. Yeah. And it, and the dichotomy here, and you brought it up, Kevin, that the, that the, that the rule, the ruling class was starting to panic because they're going to lose their status. And Jesus who had legitimate status comes in riding on a donkey yeah and basically says if you like if you love your life here if you love your status you're going to lose your life but if you're willing to lay it down right on that's when that's god good. the honor yeah oh yeah that is so good yeah it ultimately is the true die to self you know and, and Jesus says, he says, look, when he says, if, if a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. That Look, Jesus is talking about himself. He's going to die mm -hmm. like that grain of wheat. But when he's risen, he's going to gain much fruit. And if we can grasp that idea, that knowledge that if we die like Jesus did, remember, we're baptized into death and raised yep. into a new life. We we now have to embrace that truth that if we will die to ourselves, we will gain much fruit. Now that's not talking about financial financial prosperity or anything else. Look, we're going to bring other people to the kingdom of God. We will see the riches and the glory of God by the fruit we produce in that way. That uh, ain't saying you're going to have a Rolex watch and a and a new hot rod pickup truck, that means you're going to see the fruit of the kingdom multiply if you will die to self and serve Christ in that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so good. So good. And and so we see Jesus talking about this. We can we can read on if you want. We can 
we can move forward uh, here into 27 because he, he's continuing to talk, right? He said, look, if anyone serves me, the father will honor him. In 27, he says, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there, the same old crowd that's always thinking earthly, thinking worldly. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice come, has come for your sake, not mine. They're rejecting what it said, saying, well, it was just thunder. But in their spirit, I believe they knew what it was. He goes on, he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, right? That's in reference to Satan. And it's important for us to realize that Satan's been cast out. But we're given we're still giving him authority every time we we allow it. Yeah. Right? And I in 32, Jesus says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him. We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. So he's 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 preaching the gospel to him. Yeah. Right? He is he is. He is preaching with passion. Look, people, here I am. Here's the light. You need to be following. Because he says to him, he says, look, when I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw all people to me. Now, I love this, right, because they're not getting it, right? Everyone knew how Rome killed people. Right. They knew it. They saw it every day. The Roman soldiers took people up on the hill and crucified them every day, right? These people are being, being thick-headed. But one of my favorite things in about this is that if we'll go all the way back to Numbers, yeah, <laughs> Numbers 21, all the way back to... Uh, when the Canaanites, the king, uh, Numbers 21, the king uh, of Arad, who lived in Negev, heard that Israel was uh, was coming by the way of Atherim. He fought against Israel and took some of them captive. And Israel vowed uh, a vow to the Lord and said, if you will indeed give this people into the into the hand, then I will devout the, uh, I will devout their cities to destruction. And the Lord heeded the voice of Israel, gave over the Canaanites, and they devoured them and their cities to destruction. So the name of the place uh, was called Hormah. From Mount Hor, they set out by way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. Uh, and the people spoke against God 
and against Moses. They started to grumble and complain. If you go all the way back to Philippians, you can see that grumbling and complaining is sin, right? So they start yep. grumbling and complaining, which is something they often do. And Jesus or God has to go, stop it. <laughs> they continue to do it. And then he has to discipline them, right? The people spoke, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water. We loathe this worthless food. See, he was given a manna. And they're complaining about it. They're whining. They're they're grumbling, right? They're not satisfied with what he's given them. They want more. Mm -hmm. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. And Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at that bronze serpent and live. Well, that bronze serpent was, was risen, right, was lifted up, and everyone that looked to it would mm -hmm. be saved. Isn't that ironic? Jesus yeah. was about to be lifted up, right? The bronze serpent in Numbers 21 is a finger pointing to Jesus. Yeah. How God's going to save them. And interestingly enough, that bronze serpent is still worn on the collars of doctors and medics and nurses to this day. Yeah. Right? Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. Well, we saw this Back in numbers, yeah. hundreds of years before this took place. If the people of Israel were studying scripture, they'd understand that. If they weren't dependent upon other people to teach them scripture, right, they would have this, this, this knowledge, this understanding that Jesus is again about to fulfill scripture, is about yeah. to be is a, is 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 showing them. Another point, I will draw all people unto myself, right? We're not going to have any great theological debates about that because Calvinists and Arminianists have been debating that for hundreds and thousands of years. Jesus is drawing people to him, right? Some, some theologians would say it's just the people that they chose. Others would say they're drawing everybody, but most people are just rejecting him. It doesn't matter. Jesus is going to draw people to him because of what he's done. He's dying, being buried, being resurrected for our sins so that we will live eternally like he said in 26. Mm -hmm. He goes, he tells him, he says, look, The light is among you for a little while longer. Talking about himself. Walk while you have the light. Follow me while you have the light. Lest darkness overtake you. That That's scary. It really is. What do you think? 
Well, just going back to what we had talked about earlier, um, about his lordship in verse 27 it says now my soul is troubled and what shall i say father save me from this hour but for this very purpose i came to this hour and you know getting kind of getting back to what we were talking about earlier um it's you know jesus said and we're going to see this more profoundly in the garden um in a few more chapters but um Jesus said, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Later on in the garden, he's going to say, Lord, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Right here again. He's 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 given us an example of how we are to respond to what the Lord wants us to do. And but what kind of strikes me about that is the the uh the realness of what he's about to go through well it's the humanity in him coming out yeah and and about how you you know about how he knew he knew what he was going to have to endure here a few days later he knew how horrible it was going to be it's not like um it's not like any of this took him by surprise and but he knew and it talked about earlier that he set his he set his face towards Jerusalem. And so it's not like God did something so that, you know, it, it's not like God did something to make this whole experience less horrible for Jesus and what he went through. Right. And and, you know, if we could if we could live in the state of mind of recognizing what Christ did for us. I think we would be a lot more obedient to what he's called us to do because, you know, you had talked about it earlier that we're supposed to count it all joy when various troubles and trials come, come to us. Right. We should live in a perpetual state of thankfulness, a perpetual state of gratitude for what Christ did for us. Right. Because the suffering that he endured was unspeakable. And he knew it was coming. And he said, and what was his response to it? Um, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But this is, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And so you were talking a little bit earlier about obedience and about you know, and, and so this week is a perfect example. I was meeting with a client. Um, and there was something that happened in our conversation where I was offended, deeply offended. And, and I struggled with that for three or four days. And that thought just kept coming up. And, and I was like, you know, this is ridiculous to be just consumed by this. And I knew it was wrong, but it was like, I just couldn't get that thought from rolling through my mind. I spent one night sleepless night because I was just ticked. And, and so um, it's so funny how God works. And so I'm scrolling through 
I'm throwing, uh, throwing, um, through social media and I had three or four memes that come up about bitterness and about forgiveness mm. and all of we went to church this morning. What is our, what does our pastor <laughs> preach on bitterness? And it's just like, okay, I get it. I get it. But, you know, and it's like, but, you know, but nobody spit on me. Nobody beat me with a whip. Nobody put a crown of thorns on me. Nobody that I had walked with intimately for three years betrayed me for 30 pieces of silver. Mm. You know, what I was going through was pretty minute compared to what our Lord went through for us. Right. To pay the price for our sin. And so I was I was getting ready for church this morning and I'm I'm still dealing with this. I mean, this is where this is where real life happens. I'm in the shower and I, I got ready to get in the shower and I thought I should put some praise music on because I am not in an attitude of worship right now and I need to prepare my heart for church. And that's something that the Lord's been showing me over the last year or two about preparing my heart for church. And we've talked about this many times. If we're going to have conflict in our marriage, if we're going to have conflict with my family, nine times out of 10, it's on Sunday morning before yeah. we go to church. You think that that is just a coincidence? It is not. No. The thief comes to steal, to steal and destroy. And the one of the ways that he does it, and you alluded to it earlier, the only way that he, the only power he has over us is, is to lie to us and to get us to believe the lie. Right. And so I thought this morning, I'm like, you know what? I need to get in a, I need to get into an attitude of worship here. I put some worship music on and the last thing in the world that I wanted to do was be thankful. But I, but I just decided I made a choice. Okay. I'm going to be thankful and not like it was like, you know, instantaneous, but it started the process. And we got to church this morning. Preacher was talking about, about bitterness and let no root of bit. This isn't the scripture that he used, but it was going through my head. Let no root of bitterness mm. uh, be in your life. And I thought, take you root, know, yeah. don't let, don't let it take root. Right. And, and it's, it's like, okay, if we, if we, I, I'm way off on a rabbit trail here, but if we get to a place where we can understand and live in the gratitude, knowing what Christ did for us on that cross, I think it changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is the, that is the truth of if we can truly acknowledge how horrendous our sin is, See, we, we try to justify variations of sin. Right. And, and the only way we can do that is just by submitting to the Lord and saying, Lord, reveal the truth to me. Reveal to me just how hideous my sin is. Because our sin causes separation between us and God. Right? It is so hideous that, it, that we can't even exist in the presence of God. God God can't even be in the presence of that kind of hideousness, that kind of that kind of sin. And and you say, oh, come on, Kevin, that that seems a bit extreme. No, it's the truth. Sin mm -hmm. is hideous, and the closer we come to Jesus, the more we realize how hideous our sin is. Isn't that fascinating? Right. 
The, the, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we grow spiritually, the more we begin to understand just how evil it is, right? People, people have a hard time with the Old Testament that just these people grumbling and complaining cause God to destroy them. Look, that's how evil our sin is, right? Our grumbling and complaining is so hideous because it lacks gratitude. There's right. no thanksgiving, going back to the words you used, right? Our grumbling and complaining, uh, Philippians 2, 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, right? Isn't that fascinating? Do it without grumbling and disputing so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. This is Paul speaking. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. Be glad and rejoice with me. Don't grumble and dispute. Their grumbling and disputing was so evil that it caused God to send fiery serpents down to destroy them. People have a hard time grasping that a God would destroy men, women, and children, and cattle, and dogs, and cats, and everything else. But they were so evil, and their offspring was going to be so evil that they had to be destroyed. Like it mm -hmm. or not, don't try to put your fluffy, fleshly, earthly love in Scripture. Look at Scripture biblically through biblical love. Consequences have action. Our sin is evil, and our sin without Jesus is passed down from one generation to the next. That's why the children are destroyed, because of how evil they were. <laughs> You're right. And again, on, and again, his judgment of sin, his judgment of sin is what we were talking about earlier. Jesus came, came as a lamb and as a lion. His judgment of sin is an act of love. Right. Because I am not, as, as, as an earthly father, I am not going to allow some evil, despicable, I'm not going to, as a father, I'm not going to allow a pedophile into my house. Amen. I'm not going to allow that. Right. It is, and, and the reason I won't allow that is because of my love for my children. And God loves his children so much, he's not going to allow that, that stuff to continue either. And, you know, you're talking about, the, you know, we were talking about earlier, you know, late, we're supposed to lay down our lives. We're supposed to pick up our cross and follow him daily. And, you know, and some of the little things that we think is no big deal, God thinks is a big deal. Don't speak harshly to your wife, lest your prayers be hindered. You know, and yeah. we have, and 
sometimes we have these grandiose ideas about, you know, what we're, what we're, we're going to do for the Lord, you know, and yeah. how about start with just, and, and I'm preaching to myself right now yeah. because I've been, pre- I've been pretty alley the last couple of days. And, and so how about we start with that? Yeah. Yeah. Even Jesus says in Matthew seven eleven, if you then who are evil, if you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him, right? That is exactly what you're talking about. I'm evil and I still am going to protect my children. The father in heaven who is perfect and has no evil at all is going to do the same thing, but even greater for his children. You're exactly right. Yep. And then it goes on to say in verse 36, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And it says, then Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. And so, you know, I, I believe, I believe we're living in the last days. Yeah. And I'm, I'm I'm not a I'm not an end timer guy that dwells on that, um, but but I think it's pretty clear that we we're living in the last days, and I think that should spur us on right to to proclaim the gospel because um, who knows we don't know how much time we have left right and even even. Not in light of of that, but just in our own lives. We don't know. Tomorrow's yeah. not promised. It's not promised. Yeah, and I, so, I I I I know that more now than I've ever known it. Yeah. You bet. Absolutely. And and I think you're right. You know, I I'm not a cons- well. I may be more of a conspiracy theorist than I've ever been, but I think I have good <laughs> reason to be. But I think you're right. I I, I well, I think. You know, we've been living in the in the end times for two thousand years, but right. I, I still think I still think we have to view it as that. No matter where you're at, there has to be a yeah. sense of desperation in us that the gospel is shared with people. You know, our response yeah. to what Jesus did should be obedience, and that's to be loving people, sharing the gospel, share being light to a dark and twisted world. Yeah, right on. Man, I'm all amped up. I'm not ready to quit, but we're uh, we're kind of running out of time here. So, well, we kind of we kind of got to a good stopping point there. Yeah, heck yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man. If you don't know Jesus, I would encourage you to to uh, to begin to ask the question. I, I'd encourage you to uh, to get a Bible, to open it up, start reading it. Start with the Book of John. Start reading the Book of John, and and uh, and go from there um get get involved with some godly like-minded people good bible believing church if you got any questions by all means you can send it to us at a cowboy connection at gmail.com look us up on in social media uh facebook and if you need a bible we'll get you one but uh yeah jesus died for your sins so that you could have you could have a real life a real uh everlasting life and and uh man what a difference it makes doesn't mean your life's going to be any easier, but it sure means it's going to be better. And uh, if you get to yoke yourself with men like I have, 
that uh, challenge you and make you better. Like I said, we're, we missed a week uh, just out of busyness, getting ready for fall and everything else. And I've missed it desperately. I'm glad we got to get together. And uh, yeah, why don't you close us out in prayer, buddy? Dear Lord, we come to you tonight in response to your word, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross to make a way for us yeah. to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And I pray, Father God, that every word that was spoken to here tonight would be from you. And I just pray that it would find good ground, good soil, Lord, to, to produce fruit. I just pray, Father God, that you would uh, just remind us to live in a constant state of gratitude and thankfulness for who you are and what for and for what you've done for us. Mm-hmm. I pray, Father God, that your word would go out. Your word promises us that it will not return void. And we just believe that. And we thank you for it tonight. Pray to you uh, a, a blessings on our brothers, Bill and Jr., who weren't here tonight. Um, and I just pray uh, a blessing upon every ear that will hear this podcast. And uh, we just profess our love for you. We profess your lordship over our lives. And uh, we just give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. God bless. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. See ya.